This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. And it is a frosty February morning. Uh, stars are out. Let's go for a walk. The three-headed dog is asleep. So we'll sneak past. Okay, so topic is happily ever after. And more on the line of the ending of the book and not not just a notion of you know it's it's all wrapped up and it's good and uh, you know the protagonist has won and the antagonist has lost why moss why why would you say such a thing <laughs> um, am i for you know cultivating tragedy within the narrative uh, what I want to do is go right to Lord of the Rings because at the end it's it's not cut and dry we have a in a sense a soldier returning from war who is um, who's been wounded who's been wounded and uh, the wound won't heal like it's physically healed uh, but there's this damage done like it say it still hurts it's uh, it's not going away there's uh, psychological, the psychological wound of what's happened, and so we're talking about Frodo, and Frodo, Frodo lost, in a sense, right, he, uh, he succumbed, and things, things could have gone really wrong, but, you know, say, ultimately, it, it wasn't him, and, I remember reading somewhere that there was this question of, you know, okay, well, who <laughs> who was the hero? Uh, it, it, it was kind of accidental. And, you know, is it, is it Sam who's the hero of the story? But, you know, we're set up to, to believe that it's uh, Frodo. But that whole large denouement at the at the end of Lord of the Rings, returning to uh, the Shire, and uh, the Shire has been damaged. It will never be the same. And, you know, and, and, oh, they'll uh, bring it back. You know, they're they've. They've brought you know magic tree seeds with them, and I think it's Sam who goes around, uh, goes around the Shire and is you know putting a little bit of magic dust wherever he goes, and this is all a good thing. But the ordinary world that they left uh, has been damaged by Sharky. A.K.A. Uh, Saruman. And that's, that, that's one thing, sort of a critique of Joseph Campbell's monomyth. That um, you, return, you return with the boon, the treasure, and you know, perhaps save the day. But uh, things will never be the same. Jumping back to myth, uh, Gilgamesh. By the end of the story, we have a transformed, uh, we have a reformed 
king, a monarch, who um, suddenly realizes, um, begins begins to think about others instead of just you know his own uh, carnal desires and his own um, situation. And I'm 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 stuck. I was thinking earlier uh, this morning about that return. That say you know, um, perhaps it, say in a sense you don't you don't get to return. I'm just thinking of an old childhood friend, Corby Cuff, and he said you can't go home. You know you can't go back. And. I, I've, I found that to be true. You sort of can't return. So, uh, is it possible to make something else? Is it possible to be something else? Rather than, you know, say, seeking it um, in the outside world. But, back to writing. So happily ever after, say, H E A. Um, even when we do have happily ever after, is it? There always seems to be a, a body count. There's deaths, such as. There, there seems to be at the beginning of the fairy tale, there is a father, uh, a father or a mother or parents, someone in the family perishes. And uh, the protagonist is handed over or adopted or... Uh, their situation changes, but uh, they can't go back. And even say, if if they did manage to sew up everything, you know, get back what they had lost, there's still, there's still the, um, the shock and the knowledge that uh, life is unstable. And earlier this morning I was thinking of the sacrifice uh, that is required if you're doing three-act structure. And going through this death and the rebirth at the crisis point. That a part of the character has changed. And there's a, there's a, there's a kind of sadness there. Uh, there's this maturity. And they've had to let go. You know, whether, whether it's ego or... Uh, something that they've um, craved, something that they've desired, just you know, for the feeling of um, safety and comfort. Just going back to Lord of the Rings again, you know, the hobbits didn't have to go, and they didn't have to continue. Like once they got there, they could have said, "Forget it. This is just too, you know, too much. We're just, we're just." Uh, Hobbits were not, you know, these epic characters. And yet they keep going and going and going. The story uh, breaks Frodo and um, cannot, cannot be repaired. The other hobbits get to return and... Uh, there are changes. And, and going back to the beginning, there's this naive notion of, say, um, glory and uh, wanting to run off and you know, join the war, but not really having, um, not being realistic. It's a story. 
Um, the reality of uh, violence and death is, you know, distant. I think for, what is it, uh, Pippin and Mary, that they're, you know, most the most sort of involved and fun and not realistic. Uh, but at the end of the story, they too, they too have transformed. They've seen terrible things. And um, their existence in the Shire, growing up in Hobbiton, it hasn't prepared them for the reality and the stark reality. One of the things I was thinking about was that it's it's not happy ever after for the antagonist, and then of course you know in the very sort of kid story way, middle grade, you know you've got to have the mustache twirling villain. Whereas later, uh, things get complicated, and moving into young adult and then uh, adult fiction that I wonder if we could call it mature fiction instead but it's it's too late anyway so I don't I don't think they even categorize it as adult they just say um, <laughs> fantasy sci-fi mystery Right. So the villain of the piece. And it's... Unless you're doing a tragedy, it's, it's, uh, it's not happy ever after for the villain. Why should it be? With going in... Uh, to a story, we have expectations, especially say when we're seeking a specific genre, and say romance, that there's certain tropes that we're looking for, there's um, you know a, a certain effect, there's certain experience that we're looking for, and two sets of experience. Uh, if if we're not getting those, you know, then it's the book is put down, and well, that's not effective. And to in romance, you can end up with, you know, they've had a torrid romance, but now it's over. Uh, and then you could have the happily ever after. But also in the wake of that, there's, say, you know, suitors or hearts that have been broken, suitors that have been rejected. Uh, for, and then, of course, for true love, right? And, uh, and then, too, all tied up in a nice bow with uh, passion. There's a there's a kind of I, I've talked about it before this sort of codependent uh, air about the happily ever after and you know a desire for something that doesn't exist not in the real world uh, I'm trying to think of say well wh what would be what are what are examples of that uh, where you're actually happy, <laughs> you're at the end of something, and, you know. And two, that's the thing: life ends, um, you know, when you pass away into the great beyond. And uh, you know that that's our, you know, true ending, the actual ending of uh, one's own story, versus these. Uh, 
these divisions of life. I think I think I've read novels where it goes from birth to death that we I, I've read at least one where we have the whole scope of someone's life. I think Proust's epic. So this is a French writer, and he bites into a cookie called a Madeleine, and then he's all over the place. He's flashing back to the past. I think it might be all past, but there's there's a lot of unpacking and thinking about events that have happened. But also we don't get this, you know, flash forward to the future. Happily ever after. Ooh, so there's a full moon and it's got a ring around it. This strange you know, gasoline kind of rainbow. Ah. Let's see. February. Oh, we're coming up closer to um, Valentine's Day. All that stuff. All that jazz. I noticed, I think it was last week, that there was an astronaut who'd been up. I think it might have been, say, uh, the, a female astronaut had been up in space for the longest. It could have been, you know, ever, like the longest ever an astronaut was in space. Uh, but they came back to Earth via Russia. That was interesting. And just just say, considering the uh, stress with between the United States and Russia right now. <laughs> it's like enemies, and yet they still, you know, are doing the International Space Station together. Okay. Happily ever after. And the, the, that's one thing about the happily ever after is that, you know, the the couple get together, um, what is it called in Shakespeare? Star-crossed lovers. Star-crossed. Destined. Meant to be. Uh, fated. So they're together. But, uh, let's say, do they go to couple counseling? Are they getting some good advice from, you know, some kind of mentor? What's, what's their secret? Because the notion is just that they're going to stay together uh, forever. <laughs> or at least, you know, they're going to die holding hands, and then they're going to be buried, and two plants will grow up and intertwine. Even in death, they are together. But, but there's that question, there's a question mark there um, for me. Because realistically, you know, that's not real life. Uh, and, and it would be, you know, fantastic if, if encoded in those stories was, was the reality of it. And I guess because it's a fantasy um, it's kind of, you know, that's the point. It's, it's wish fulfillment. It's not uh, the actuality. And I don't know about you, but, uh, say, having crushes, things like that. Um, there's this quality of that you're not actually engaging with the real person. And instead, it's this ideal uh, that we've picked up somehow. That we, you know, we've... Uh, oh, this person's going to um, fulfill, uh, balance me out, etc., etc. 
So I, I kind of want to go beyond the happily ever after, and it's like, okay, so how's this going to work out? Are they going to break up? Are they going to, uh, are they going to seal the deal? They're going to get married. Uh, you know, maybe they can't have children, or maybe they have children, you know, and one of them dies, and on and on and on. Uh, it you know it's not it's not a good story and th- I guess too it's that we are ending we're ending hot you know we're, like say the writer who decides to you know end at this kind of where things are going well as far as the writing and in the case of happily ever after we're ending at this uh, desired for a moment this. Um, that it, it has been acquired happiness. And that, you know, from that time on, there's not going to be any war or death. <laughs> time just stops. There's this, this eternal moment that we end on. Which, which would be a great way to end a... Uh, You know, build build a whole novel around this transcendent experience that these two people have. You know, as the as the veil of reality is ripped away, and they see each other for how they truly are. Uh, great moments in cosmic horror. And I, I, I guess it's enough to say that we crave the happily ever after. Most fiction and most most of the stories that we're, we're dealing with end on this positive note you know, of success. You know, Star Wars, uh, they blow up the Death Star, killing, you know, many, many human beings or whatever beings they are you know, it's not it's not a happy ever after for for those thousands, hundreds of thousands, who knows how many. And our our villain, you know, survives. <laughs> uh, or rather, uh, what is it? General Tarkin is the actual villain, and Darth Vader is the henchman. Okay. Well. Playing it out can like is is there satisfaction in a, a gray ever after? You know, it's it's not so much a happy; it's more kind of a content, like in the middle. Happiness is this extreme. Happiness is this. Uh, like what? What is happiness? Uh, we leave it at this high point that is unrealistic. You know, one of one of these two people, in the case of a romantic happy ever after, that someone's going to have a bad day. Uh, Someone's going to throw out someone else's favorite something or other, right? Things are going to start to spiral. And then, you know, these two people are so desperate to, you know, keep, keep, stay happy, stay happy. Above all, you know, uh, and just thinking back though, too, you know, we're, we're all setting each other up for this disaster, for this failure. And we're all celebrating um, the potential of, you know, like say, the potential union, right? We have these, you know, huge rituals. We have um, just even mating rituals. People going out, dressing up. Uh, their, their cell phones, 
you know, that's part of it. It's a status symbol. Do you have the latest one? Do you have the latest app? Etc., uh, etc. Et Your online presence as this part of the mating ritual. And then, and then too, not, not even just in the sense of mating, but in get, getting together with someone. It doesn't have to culminate in, you know, a big marriage with, you know, uh, clothes, expensive clothing and thousands of dollars worth of cake. So back to this notion of gray ever after. Um, so this is in the territory of moral ambiguity. This is, it's, it's less black and white. The villain is more like the protagonist than not. How are we doing here? Are we... Yeah, we're pretty close to halfway. Let's go down to the other street. Still no leaves. There's buds that are happening. But uh, it's still still in the work, still in the process. Okay. So what are gray characters? So it's it's not this extreme of oh he's good or she's good and then vice versa. Oh that character is bad. They are bad. Uh, The other is bad. The other with a capital O. Um, Easy to demonize. You know, that outsider. And instead, these two polar opposites are not, you know, on different poles. In fact, they, you know, they probably know each other. They're probably in the same neighborhood. Uh, They probably are, you know, (laughs) speak the same language and... They're, they're not so different. And suddenly things become more realistic. I'm just thinking, though, of the, of, of the case of romances where they are, there aren't, you know, these huge differences. Or say things like romances where you know, there's huge differences, right? You know, language, uh, just everything. Language, culture, race, uh, ideology, um, belief system, etc., etc. To erase, uh, you know, yeah, there are differences, but, you know, there are these uh, similarities, But I, I'm, I'm still stuck with wanting to um, break down the, the happy ever after. Um, you know, the, the, the happiness, it, it sort of turns into this kind of gray in a sense that we've, that we start off in this gray territory with these gray characters and this neutrality. And then we, and then we end in that in that place I'm now I'm imagining kind of French existential novel where it's it's more important to be fantasizing and desiring the happiness than actually achieving it Uh, that it might seem like a tragedy but in the denouement we find that the the characters are so happy, right? That they've achieved um, broken hearts because now they can, oh, oh, well, that wasn't the one, right? That wasn't the perfect person for me. So, 
you know, obviously that perfect person is still out there, and so they can go back to their, you know, romance novels and soap operas, and, uh, you know, the, the quest begins anew. So with the, back to the gray characters and the gray story. There's, there's a kind of jaded quality to thinking about that, that, <laughs> say, two people who are painfully aware of codependency, you know, they, they know about that, and they also know about, say, the drive to eroticize, you know, these biological impulses that we're at the mercy of. And then, of course, the sociological Right. Oh, you're not complete if you don't have someone, you know, or if you're not, uh, like, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And uh, I'll hear things like, say, people who don't or who aren't in relationships will get together, you know, and sort of be remorseful, you know, or so there's that. Or, Or say that they're, you know, they're finding someone to go on a date with you know, on that day, that it's important to be with someone. Which, for me, goes back to reproductive narrative. Or, yeah, that's right, reproductive narrative. Uh, you know, can't we, can't we be um, independent or interdependent? Uh, what's so wrong with that? Why aren't we encouraging that instead of you know, this ridiculous notion that, you know, one's own self is not enough. And I'm I'm looking at it going, oh, well, of course, you know, we've got to spur on the population and uh, make those babies, make those babies have gender roles. In order to populate. <laughs> okay, so our gray our gray characters. I'm just thinking of of say somebody who's ace and that you know that the and why by that I mean asexual and that they could be going for a happy, for, you know, for them, a happy ever after is something that, say, supports where they're at. Like, say, being a sec- uh, asexual, an ace, that they could, that they would, they would stay. They would want to, yeah, that, you know, that's the happy for them. And, and that's a that's a flip because this notion of happiness it, it's it's less personal and it's more sort of a um, a social ideal well you know you're happy if you have a b and c not x y and z or z for americans I'm I'm enjoying this this idea now that that uh, the gray characters are having a hideous time with their romance and that they are um, it's happening, but it's terrible. It's wrecking their you know day to day lives, and they're so happy that it's over. And then of course this you know overturns um, romance romance novels. Uh, you know, yes, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Happily ever after. There's a question there too, I was heading towards, is a personal happy ever after. Um, even with thinking about 
that happy is this extreme, um, unattainable extreme. Because you'd, you'd have to like say, no, that's impossible. How can you be happy all the time? No one would want to be around you. Um, I remember that experience, being around some people and being happy, and and they would sort of say, you know, calm down. <laughs> I even had, I went on vacation and came back, and people were upset, um, and I, and I was reading it as, oh, you're jealous, you know. I went off, I did this thing, and you know. It, it was a it was a moment of, well, we should do this because we're not going to, um, you know, it probably won't happen again, or it might not happen again, so why not? Let's just go, do it, live, um, pay the bills later, which of course is not always a good idea, but sometimes just go, and then I get back and people are upset. And two, even even when I came back, it wasn't so much that I was happy, right? But it was just that I had unplugged, you know, and did something else for a bit, and then came back. So it was kind of like refreshed, rested, um, you know, being surrounded by a different culture. Okay, so the the personal happy ever after. As I'm as I'm going along, I'm seeing it as a. Well, what about that? Can we go for a personal happy ever after versus an external happy ever after? One one thing I've come away with in considering a series, uh, say novels, is that, say, if you're ending, and how are you going to end with, like, say, you know, you end book one, you don't want to have this complete transformation, and, the, you know, the person is you know, oh, walking away angelic and transformed, metamorphosized. And then in book two, uh, where did they go from there? A response immediately is, you know, destroy them. (laughs) Take them from that, you know, high evolutionary status and just wreck them. And that they they have to bounce back from that. Uh, but then say book three, where do you go from there? Uh, and so on and so on. So it almost seems like it. it's in increments that you know a character is going to grow and a character is going to uh, approach uh, happiness. Just from what I've looked up with happiness, that it's, it's not what we think of and that... Uh, Happiness is more of a, of a letting go than attaining something, which is odd to think about. But what's what would be an example? I've mentioned a number of times um, desire leading to suffering and sort of living in the notion that, you know, one does not have, and uh, instead going for uh, contentment, and you know, you cover your bases, got enough food, got shelter, etc., etc., and um, doing stuff that you enjoy. It's almost like a low-grade kind of happiness. It's not this, you know. Um, bewildering uh, what's it called when you're when you're feeling really intoxicated or you're feeling um, 
I think that's a good place to leave it. Just sort of overwhelmed with uh, positive emotion. You know, feeling so good, so great. Uh, versus yeah, doing something that is just for oneself. And, uh, uh, you know, it's pleasurable, but it's not sort of a devastating kind of pleasure. And maybe not the right word, but say like ecstasy in, in the sense of um, emotion. Okay. And I'm, I'm just thinking of things too, say, um, standing apart from somebody, watching somebody on a stage, and the reality is that they're, they're probably fluctuating between, between uh, terror and, and enjoyment. You know, that they have, say, skills, talent, to be up on stage doing whatever, um, versus the human... A terror of public speaking or performance. And I'm just thinking of various people who've uh, anesthetized themselves so they can go up and do this stuff. Like, say, Judy Garland, for example. And there's probably um, more people than d- that do than don't. just thinking of one it was a Canadian psychologist and he had, he got addicted to I think it was I'm not sure if it was painkillers but um, and so ended up in Russia doing this detox and they actually put him in a coma to get him off this stuff Peterson is it Jordan Peterson? And too interesting that they went to Russia. Uh, right, okay. So we're moving towards wrapping things up and we're talking about happy, happy ever after. So, so the the happiness uh, that we desire in our own lives is something that we inspe- we expect more often than not. So then, why would tragedies exist at all? Um, one one reason I read uh, in collage, college, was uh, catharsis, you know, that we want to see, <laughs> we, we want to see rich people destroyed, <laughs> you know, we want to see corrupt people ruined, um, e- even something like, uh, we want to see romantically happy people, you know, devastated and heartbroken, that... You know that. You know, here's these people. They have the unattainable. You know, they're in the one percent. I like the notion too of people who are, you know, perfect for them and they love each other. For example, is it Prince Harry? Anyways, there's a royal couple who've escaped the racism of England. England's not racist. Totally, as long as you're you know, British ethnicity, it's, you're, it's totally not racist. Okay. But anyway, so, you know, this royal couple is now here in Canada, apparently, and what was my point? I'm, I'm, I guess, old enough and jaded enough to know the reality of their situation versus the fantasy that people keep pushing, right? They're so happy together. No, they're not. You know, these people go to the bathroom just like anybody else. And, you know, they're they're just as messed up as anybody else. 
but they have money. Oh, I see. So that that fixes everything. Uh, and two, it's a, it's just a question of time. They like a ticking time bomb, and you know what is it going to be? You know, divorce, assassination, uh, you know, extramarital affairs. Moss, you're so jaded. But it's 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 important to. Uh, like, say, in the sense of the, what's it called? <laughs> Happy Ever After. Just getting sidetracked there. Some other early morning people on the sidewalk. Uh-huh. So where are we ending up? What is our own uh, happy ever after? For me, as writer, I've gotten to this place of, you know, my, you know, there's this joy, not all the time, but there's this joy of, you know, there's certain things I really like, you know, writing about. There's certain characters, situations. And again, it's not all the time. And it's not, you know, this burnt-out bliss of, of, you know, oh, it's perfect, and uh, I'll have glimpses, I'll have these moments where, you know, it's, you know, oh, this is great, but that's on a good day, and then it'll go back to the grind. Um, I'll have arguments with other writers about, you know, is it, you know, oh, we should just we should just write what uh, we want and not be thinking about, you know, the reader. Or there's a reader out there for that kind of writing. Don't think about structure, don't, you know, etc., etc. Just first draft. <laughs> uh, right. So where do we end up? I think... Um, Ultimately, say the most realistic is a story that, uh, you know, does deal with the ultimate happy ever after, uh, which is uh, the deathbed and uh, a person, you know, putting, hopefully having time to put their uh, affairs in order. Now I'm thinking... (laughs) Say extramarital affairs? Well, those too, but no, 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 just, just um, you know, things like um, I saw this. It was, it was actually really interesting. I saw this. Um, it was a New Zealand funeral home, and it's a. I want to say it's a reality show. Um, really, it's more like a documentary, uh, episodic. And they had a guy who knew he was dying of cancer. And so he made arrangements for uh, passing away, right? And he, he decided how he wanted his funeral to be. And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. And, uh, and I was also thinking about part of it as a sort of agreeing or instead of fighting it, that it's that it's about addressing it. It's about uh, living it instead of looking away in horror. You know, of course, yeah, it's heavy, but from from a writing perspective, that that's an area that we we sort of push aside, and not entirely, but it's along the, li- the same lines as you know, say. We don't often write about people going to the bathroom. And I don't think we should. I'm not interested in, in that. And, um, and yet, and yet, right, the, the notion of, of reality or realistic writing. I just remember reading, 
this was years ago reading um, Emile Zola, French, at least a hundred years ago, maybe more. And there was this long scene of taking a bath using lye soap, which bleached uh, the person's hair. It's a minor. Um, I was, re- I think the book, was, yeah, it was Germinal. And and the si- the symbolism was they were coal mining, and so it's the Germinal is this germinating seed uh, in in the darkness. It's nice. There's a bit of poetry there. But the point, <laughs> the point it was making, this realism, this realistic stuff. Yes, you can have, uh, sure, you can have a happy ever after. I'm just say thinking, but, but what, is, what is even more powerful than, you know, quote-unquote happy? Uh, what is it, say... Perhaps to have access to the two characters or whoever the character is, and whatever the situation is, but say um, casting it or surrounding it with this uncertainty instead of you know a Walt Disney kind of um, even Walt Disney has shifted away you know the princess movies of gosh sixty years ago, seventy years ago. Uh, those, they've changed. And I, I I think for the better. But say it speaks also to, say, the audience and the creators um, who, you know, who have changed. We're shifting uh, this paradigm shift. Can we surround that happy ever after, that attainment with reality and the realistic and and leave it on a note of this is fantastic right these you know these two people (laughs) suffering through existence have you know managed to get together and are enjoying uh, the moment you know and you know yeah they're gonna they're gonna wake up tomorrow and it'll be over uh uh, to me, that's more potent. To me, that that rings true, uh, and it is more valuable. So it, it's almost like say, from a romance perspective, that that I'm arguing. Uh, yes, <laughs> do this thing, right? But at the same time. You know, I, I I want my dose of reality with that fantasy that we're all that we all live, and what is it that there's this this potential beyond? There's this question that we we end on a question, kind of like how the first sentence has this possibility of you know a hook. It could be a question, a situation that demands exploration but but also ending with this uncertainty how are we doing oh yeah yeah just around the corner okay I'm going to start heading back now and famous last words about happy ever after gosh it really is about it is about last words you know how how do we take a scene you know somebody's you know it's a firing squad you know and they're being given the cigarette right so they're smoking the cigarette there's this little chat with uh, uh, Le Capitan who is about to uh, order their execution you know and can can that moment, you know, that last cigarette, be a kind of happy ever after, right? To to have an experience and be savoring it instead of 
you know, terror? Or is it a mix? Is it sublime, both terrible and wonderful at the same time? And and then just to end on that that deathbed, uh, that dead deathbed uh, scene. Uh, you know more more stories like that. More stories that are considering um, our people dying what at whatever age, and to to be embracing life in those last moments and to be truly alive rather than, you know, terrified. Uh, and of course we, you know, of course we don't, we don't want, <laughs> we don't want is what is happening. Um, but what is stopping us from joie de vivre, you know, the joy of life, right up until the end, right? To be, you know, the carpe diem, the cliche carpe diem. And that we truly are, you know, in each moment, savoring. Yeah, okay. I think that's a, a good place uh, to end it on. And, and just this notion of that that is, that is a truer, more deep, personal, or say deeper, uh, happy ever after. In a realistic sense. And, and just personally, just because it's uh, confronting terror and, and just, you know, refusing or even accepting, right? And just, you know, okay, this is happening I'm, I'm, and I'm going to do this. I'm doing this thing. Uh, pain aside, of course, other problems aside... Um, but but that's something, if not for myself, that's something to say, communicate, and to to think about. And I can I can remember years ago I was in my twenties, and uh, imagining that, and say looking back over my life and that I had achieved. Uh, yeah, what I had set out to do, you know, and that, you know, imagining the hurdles that I would cross and doing things that were important to me. Uh, saying important things, such as this, what we're talking about right now. And two, I, I just saw this documentary, and this was, uh, this is uh, Ram Das, and so he would be a guru, and this is coming out of the 60s, right, so he's, um, I'm trying to think of what, <laughs> I, I guess it would be, you know, spiritual, there you go, a big, big term for it, and my association is that, say, one of my childhood friends dropped by uh, to visit when I was in my 20s and brought a, a record uh, album of Ram Dass, you know, and so this, you know, playing the record and this guy's talking about spiritual stuff and my childhood friend is uh, into, at the time, uh, my friend was very into the uh, Grateful Dead and was I think yeah I think he was uh, definitely a deadhead and was following this uh, band and too I grew up listening to the music so there was this connection and everything uh, but just recently I saw this documentary and uh, Ram Dass passed away and so this was just before the death and sort of retrospective uh, and there was there was all this there was this talking about death and but living living while you're dying and uh, rejecting a kind of uh, western uh, view of that process when you know seeing it as you know this is this is natural 
etc., etc. Very, of course, very hippy dippy, but uh, it it was a good reminder because I was sitting there going, yeah. Why are we so messed up? Right? But it's, of course, so easy to say those things. Okay. There we go. Thank you for listening.